as long as as you're creating what's in your heart and it's it's feeding your soul i i don't i don't mean to sound hokey or flaky or anything like that but it's gotta it's gotta feed you creatively or else nothing good is gonna come out of you you're listening to creative breakthrough the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level i'm your host creative hustler and chicken wing lover shireen kassam aka the funny brown girl and yes I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Is your mind always running? Do you struggle focusing? Do you have a hard time turning off after your nine to five to focus on your creative passion? Well, then I may have an answer for you. CBD. CBD is an active ingredient in cannabis derived from the hemp plant. But unlike its cousin marijuana, it doesn't give you the psychotic high. And it's legal in most places, including the United States. Since I introduced CBD into my daily life, I've felt less anxious and more creative. It's helped me sleep better, be more relaxed, and most of all, it's helped me turn off after a stressful day and focus on my creative hustles. If you want to learn more, check out hoorayforcbd.com and use the code PODCAST to save 10% on your first purchase. Again, that's hoorayforcbd.com and promo code PODCAST to save 10% off any CBD purchase. Welcome back to another episode of The Creative Breakthrough. I'm your host, Shireen Kassam, and I am in such a great mood today because I just had some chicken wings. They were not the best chicken wings. I'm a little disappointed, but they were still chicken wings. And I say they weren't the best because I had them because they were on a list of top five places to eat chicken wings in my city, and I've been dying to try them, and we ended up at this restaurant, and so I ate them, and now I'm like, blah. But that just means I get to have more chicken wings tomorrow because you got to outdo a bad with a good, right? Am I right? Anyways, I just want to say that this has been the best two weeks ever. Not ever, but this has been the best two weeks in a very long time. And I say that because uh, a couple days ago, I was sitting at my desk at work, just chilling, doing some work, you know how it goes. And my phone rang and it was my website host provider. And turns out my website had crashed. And I was like, oh, so does that mean like someone hacked it? And he was like, no, you're getting too much traffic to your website. And that just made my day. I don't think he understood why it made my day, but it made my day because... People are listening to this podcast so much that it crashed the website and you have to get a lot of listens or downloads or I mean hits to your website to crash a website. Like, do you ever remember the last time Google was down? No, because it doesn't happen that often, but this is the third time my website has crashed. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I can't believe we crashed the website. I also have uh, great news. A couple days ago, I got to present to the president of my company. And this is a huge deal because I work for a big company. There's about 75,000 people. And so getting to present to the president is a big deal. But it's an even bigger deal because a year ago, I wasn't even allowed to go to meetings. I mean, this is the president, but I wasn't even allowed to go to meetings with people lower than the president. I wasn't even allowed to go to meetings with people at my level. I wasn't allowed to lead meetings. I wasn't allowed to present at meetings. I wasn't allowed to speak at meetings. 
And anytime I asked my leader why, I would get reasons such as you don't exude confidence or you don't have strong presentation skills or you don't have strong public speaking skills and you need to go take a class and all this other stuff, all this extra stuff. And it used to make me so angry because I couldn't understand why this woman hated me so much. She was being so mean and she didn't even give me a chance. She had never even heard me speak in a meeting or present in a meeting to even make those conclusions about me. But yet she had made those conclusions about me. And here I was 10 years into my career and I couldn't attend a meeting to present my own work, yet alone be given kudos for doing the work that I did. And now a year later, I'm not only invited to the meetings, I'm presenting at them. And I tell you this story because during our careers, whether it's our creative journeys or our professional journeys, we're going to hit dark times. Our journeys are going to be full of ups and downs. And and I can say from this experience that you're always going to get out of that dark side. You're always going to come back and see the light. Those challenges are going to come to a stop. I can't tell you how long it's going to take and I can't tell you when that'll happen, but it will happen. And when you get out of it, you're going to be in such a great place and things are going to go so well for you that you're just going to think back to those times and just be like, what was going on during those times? Like when I look back on it, I can stop being angry about it. I can stop thinking, why was she mean to me? Instead, I reframe the story as, wow, I really made her insecure. I made her so insecure. I intimidated her. And that's why she picked on things that she knew would, that would bother me because she knew that I had strong skills in public speaking and presentation skills. And she was scared that I would outshine her. And so she purposely would try to bring me down. And it worked. It really worked. And I can't, I, I hate myself that it worked, but I'm just so happy that I'm out of that situation now that I can't even spend time thinking about that. And so I tell you that because there's always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I really believe in God. And I will say this. People used to tell me all the time, God's just setting you up for something bigger. God's just making you a stronger person. God's just showing you that you're strong enough to get through this. I don't know if any of that's true. I don't know why God put me in that situation. I don't know what God wanted me to learn from that situation. All I know is that I'm glad that God took me out of that situation. And so I would say that to you too. Don't, don't get caught up trying to understand why you're in that situation. Just figure out how to get out of that situation. And I will say that when I was in that situation, that's when I launched this podcast. And I think that, and not, not, I think that was my saving grace. That was what I started putting all my energy into. I started putting all my love and passion and time into, because when I came home from a crappy day at work, doing this podcast is what made me feel happy. It's what made me feel alive again. It made me feel like I was back in control. And this was the real me. This was the Shireen that my leader was not getting to know. And now look at me, I'm in a better place. And my podcast helped me get there. So find something that makes you happy. Whatever your creative passion is, go find it and go do it. Go do it with a purpose. Go do it with a sense of energy and with a sense of urgency and see how your life changes once you start putting your energy into something you love doing. Okay. Today's guest is a very special guest because I didn't even know, I didn't even know him, but I ran into him like just by mistake. And here's what happened. Okay. So this woman at work sent me an email one day and was like, Hey, I've got two tickets to the symphony. Do you want to go? And I didn't even know what a symphony was, but I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll go because I'm always looking for cool things to do. And it was free. So I was like, yeah, okay, sure. So my boyfriend and I go to the symphony, um, which was an average age of about 60, 65 years old, all Anglo-Saxon. I would probably say Protest, protest, Protestants, Protestants. I don't know how to say it. Anyways, I was trying to make a joke, but that didn't work since I can't speak English. Anyway, 
My boyfriend kind of fit in. He was a little younger for the demographic. I stuck out like a sore thumb and we were sitting in the fourth row. So even more awkward. But anyway, so the symphony starts playing, which is basically like an orchestra and it's like uh, wind instruments and um, I don't know the other types of instruments, but like brass instruments. And yeah, anyways, it was really cool. But Second City was there. And if you don't know, Second City is an infamous improv troupe out of Chicago and Toronto. And a lot of people who are on SNL come from Second City. And so Second City was doing like an improv act during the symphony. Like it was like a conjunction thing. It was so cool. Anyways, the show ends right after like two hours or three hours. And my boyfriend and I are exiting the arena stage, whatever it's called. And we took the wrong turn and we ended up in the after party, which was super cool because there was free dessert, like ice cream and cookies and drinks and everything. But we also got to meet the members of Second City from Toronto, including Daryl Hines. Daryl Hines is a graduate of the University of Toronto Mississauga Theatre and drama program and alum of the Second City Toronto main stage where he has had the privilege of writing and performing five reviews. Since his days at the Second City, Daryl has been lucky enough to find work on on the TV show CBC's Little Mosque on the Prairie, Nickelodeon's YTV's Max and Shred, and PBS TVO's Odd Squad. Daryl has also had brief writing stints for This Hour Has 22 Minutes and City TV's Sunnyside. Daryl is currently a cast member on the legendary Royal Canadian Air Force and on the web series The Ninth about a ragteam beer league baseball team. If you live in Canada, you can find it on the CBC Gem app and website. So, what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, Daryl. I know we've had some technological difficulties, so thank yes. you for being here. <laughs> yeah, man. 2019. I, hey, I'm like, I don't know. I'm an old man. I try my best to get this stuff together, but... Just for the listeners, he's not even 40 it, yet. It all but, falls uh, apart for me all the time. <laughs> We're creatives, not technologists. <laughs> <laughs> So I have, a, I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you, Daryl. And d- for those of you uh, listeners, Daryl and I met. Uh, Daryl was actually in Orlando performing with Second City and the Orlando Symphony. And I had a chance to watch him on stage. And I was so excited and just so drawn to the fact that there was a person of color on stage in front of a symphony that was all white people. <laughs> Usually it is, yes. <laughs> and I was like, I need to have him on my podcast. So here you are. <laughs> awesome. I'm here. So I want to start from the beginning. How and when did your creative journey start? Um, well, you know, like most uh, comedians or people who, who do comedy, uh, I, I started very young. Uh, funnily enough, not at home. Uh, my comedy journey started at school because at home I was always shy and quiet for some reason. I don't know. It was like kind of the opposite of what it usually is. At home I was always shy and quiet. Uh, and then when I got to school in front of my friends, uh, you know, I would joke around, but, uh, one specific moment I remember it was in junior high. I think it was grade six. Um, I was outside at recess and, uh, just hanging out with like a couple of my friends and we were talking about a show. I don't, it's known in the States, but it was really popular here called SCTV. Um, uh, I can't say I know it. Yeah, SCTV. It's with uh, Martin Short and Catherine O'Hara and, oh, okay. and okay. Dean Levy and all those guys. It was a sketch comedy show. Um, and they had a, a couple characters on there that were pretty popular. And we were talking about it just kind of in passing. 
And I started doing an impression of one of the characters uh, on the show just to, you know, make my friends laugh and whatever. And I, I was kind of like in my own world doing this thing. And then uh, the bell rang to go back inside. And I, I kind of snapped out of it and looked around and there was a crowd of kids uh, surrounding me laughing and, and enjoying the show I hadn't noticed. Um, and one of my friends said, you should charge admission <laughs> next time. <laughs> and uh, at, it, it was that moment that I was like, this is what I want to do with my, with my life. I want to, you know, entertain people. Uh, but I didn't quite know, you know, when you're a kid, you don't quite know what that is. People are doctors and lawyers, but how do you become a performer? So, you know, it took me uh, a few years, uh, end of high school. And I, I had a drama teacher who said, you know, uh, the, you can go to like theater school. And I was like, theater school, what the heck is that? Uh, so uh, I applied to some theater schools around my area and got into one, the, the U University of Toronto um, theater and drama program in Mississauga, which is like an intensive acting program. And uh, I started doing that. And that's when I got opened up to the world of uh, serious theater. You know, you start as a class clown and then uh, you actually discover what acting is like how what it takes to be an actor and a performer so uh i started getting you know drawn into shakespeare and shaw and chekhov and all these you know heavy performers uh and i started learning about that and and loved it as well and then uh in in theater school i started am i going on am i droning on <laughs> This is okay. good. This is okay. good. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. Okay, awesome. Good. Uh, <laughs> just as long as I'm not, uh, you know, boring anybody. No, uh, just, so, just yeah, listening. in theater school, I started a, a sketch troupe with uh, a couple of my classmates there. Uh, our sketch troupe was called Electric Boogaloo, and we would perform free shows around Toronto. Uh, and at one of these free shows, luckily enough, the year that I graduated theater school, one of these free shows... Uh, a stage manager at Second City saw me performing it with my friends and said, hey, you should audition for Second City, partially because I think uh, not that my friends weren't funny, but they were white. And uh, I know Second City uh, has like a diversity mandate or they were kind of starting a diversity mandate. So uh, this stage manager saw me said, you know, not only are you a person of color, but you're very funny. So you should come out and audition. Uh, so I did and I got in and I started doing the, you know, the, the small touring companies like the education company that goes around to schools and stuff like that. Um, and that paid very little, uh, but it paid enough for me to, you know, uh, pay my <laughs> little piddly rent that I had cause I had just recently moved out of college and, uh, my college dorm and into, a place downtown and it paid enough to pay my rent, uh, scrape together enough for food, uh, and kind of just kind of struggled with that for, for a year or so. And then I moved to a different touring company in second city, which was the standard touring company that just toured around Ontario. Uh, and then I, uh, uh in the midst of all this, I was also auditioning for, roles on TV shows and 
booking day player here and day player there. And then I, I moved to the boat company, which is a cruise ship. Uh, I did that for four months with my wife uh, at the time. Uh, and uh, they called me in early to move to the main stage at Second City. So wow, congrats. I, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was exciting. Like, uh, this was kind of all, it was all kind of a whirlwind. I never really planned uh, any of this. I mean, the fact that SCTV was such a huge influence on my life, and those SCTV stands for Second City Television. Um, it was such a huge influence in my life as a kid, and I never dreamed that I'd be performing on the stage at Second City. It just, I just kind of fell into it after school. But it, it was all this, this thing that was a deep influence on me, and and uh, all the people that had gone through that theater were huge comedic influences for me. So being a part of it now was just like, I, I can't believe this is happening and I can't believe it all happened by accident. Um, it didn't happen by accident though. Well, I it didn't by accident. It, it, <laughs> I, give I, yourself I, some credit. You had, the, you had the talent and the skill. Yes. Uh, but I mean, the, the happenstance of me meeting that stage that director guy. and all right. that stuff, mm-hmm. so it, 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 I, I all, it all kind of fell together in this perfect way. Uh, which, you know, that coupled with, you know, the skill and the practice and the, the stuff I learned in theater school all helped. And I think it was also helpful that not only was I a sketch comedian, but I was also a trained dramatic actor and, and uh, had some musical theater background because there's a small musical theater component to my theater school. So, uh, you know, I had this kind of combination of stuff that they were looking for and did it. So yeah, I did main stage at second city for five shows. Uh, and then right from second city, I booked a regular, uh, series role on a show called little mosque on the prairie, which is uh, very popular in Canada. Um, and you know, it was shown around the world. I don't think in the States, but, um, it didn't make it here, but I definitely wanted to talk to you about that. Like, I mean, that was a very progressive show, right? Showcasing a Muslim family in Canada. Like how was it being part of an experience that was so revolutionary? Uh, You know, at the time I didn't really think of it. I mean, I know, um, uh, I think nine 11, yes, nine 11 had happened because it was, uh, yeah. Um, so I think in the States, it was probably, it would have been probably considered revolutionary, but Canada didn't really have the same, uh, mentality. So of course it was in sort of the zeitgeist that, you know, there was this brewing kind of tension going on in the States as far as, uh, Islam and, and, and the misunderstandings about it. Uh, so it was known, but it wasn't really, um, hooked on to in Canada at least. So the show was kind of just a funny, like, oh, let's, let's kind of take that sort of tension and, and, and show them what, uh, what a Muslim family family is actually like. And being a part of it, I, I, I didn't really look at it as revolutionary until I started hearing people talking, uh, about the show outside of Canada, uh, and saying, yeah, this is, you know, really showing Muslims, you know, with a sense of humor and, and, and what a family of, of, uh, 
Muslims uh, is actually like in this small town and all that. And uh, then I really started to appreciate, um, you know, the the importance of it. Uh, it wasn't until kind of its last year that I really started to appreciate its importance in terms wow. of uh, uh, Western culture. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, I mean, I remember when it came out in the States, there was a lot of articles about it, about how Canada has a show, but like, will it ever come here? And it obviously didn't. <laughs> so. I think they, I, I think they tried uh, doing a pilot for mm -hmm. uh, an American, not, I don't think it was a version of this show, but it was an American version of a sitcom with a Muslim family. And I don't think it, uh, it, it, yeah, it probably did not fare well. It, yeah. I don't think it, it connected. <laughs> Going, going back to your time at Second City, though, and you're still at Second City. How long does it usually take someone to uh, get started at Second City and make it to the main stage? Well, it's all different timing. Uh, for me, because I really didn't have any improv, I had a lot of sketch writing uh, experience. I didn't really have a lot of improv experience. So my time, I got hired into the education company, but I didn't really... Um, know a lot about how to improvise. I could, I mean, improvise properly. I could improvise, but not, um, you know, super well. My improvisation was just basically come out with a big character and hope that the character can, uh, sustain the scene. Um, so I didn't really have a lot of background. So at the same time I was doing the education company, I was going through the, the second city, uh, training program. Uh, to kind of learn how to refine my skills a little bit. Uh, so for me, I'd say the total process from uh, uh, getting first hired to main stage was about six years. Uh, but I know people who have gone, you know, a year or two from their first hire to going to main stage or even, you know, getting hired directly to main stage. So there's no uh, set set kind of time frame. It all depends on your skill level and, and, you know, where the company wants to place you. But, um, yeah, for me, the journey was about, I'd say five, six years in total. Um, and yeah, you know, once you're in second city, you never really leave it. Uh, especially if you do main stage, because after you're done main stage, they always need Per, uh, people to teach at the training center to do corporate gigs, which is sort of what the symphony show was. It's sort of a corporate gig. This, the symphony kind of hired us to write this show and we did, and it, it was very successful here. So they started touring it, uh, around. Yeah, uh, it's hilarious. I mean, if you're listening and it comes to your city, definitely check it out. Do you, are you still yeah. touring with it? Uh, yeah, we haven't had, we don't have any, uh, dates booked for the, the upcoming season, but uh, they're in the process of selling the show. So uh, I'm sure there will be some more dates uh, to tour around with. <laughs> so now as someone who has now studied improv and is teaching improv, like what would you say are the benefits of improv? Oh man, I, here's the thing about theater school. Um, I know going through theater school, we had an improv teacher come in and teach us a small, uh, I'd say more, it was more of a workshop than a class. Um, a small workshop and that was like in our final year of university. And I think improv is so imperative to your skills as an actor. I mean, it is, it is truly, as an actor, what you need to do is you need to take a scripted piece of material and 
make it come to life. You need to live in the moment with it. And improv is all about living in the moment, working with the here and now, as opposed to trying to pre-plan things, obviously. So even though improv is, you know, making up dialogue uh, on the fly, uh, improv skills kind of help you to be emotionally flexible in the moment, always. It teaches you how to truly be in touch with what is happening right now. If somebody gives you an offer emotionally that is uh, contrary to something that is written down in the script, you need to know how to bend and move and flex with, with that change. So I, I think improv is so imperative to all aspects of, of performing. And I, I really, looking back on it, I'm, I, I feel like improv should be like more of a core element of any theater school performance mm-hmm. or training. <laughs> yeah. So you feel like it's, it's come in handy in your acting as well, like so auditioning and stuff. Absolutely. It's, it's so invaluable, so invaluable. There's so many times where, uh, you know, I, when you, when you, a set of sides come in or, or a script comes in for you to audition with, uh, you learn the lines and you, you know, kind of have an idea, a roadmap of how you should perform it in, in, in connection with what the stage directions are. Um, but when you enter the room, things always, they always change. The reader is not giving you the same energy as the person you were rehearsing with. Uh, or the, the casting director asks you to tweak something that completely, completely changes the intention of your character. And all of that is improvisation and good improvisers will know how to take the script and bend and flex with it and be in the moment with it and be able to adapt to things. And also it, there's so many times, especially with commercial auditions where, um, I've been in the room and the script is kind of laying flat and I could throw in a line here and there that doesn't change the intention of this, the scene or the script, but, but kind of, uh, adds a little bit of a flourish to it that gives my own personality a little bit of a read into the character. So there's so many times that I've, you know, added lines or written things on the fly in a, in an improv or in an audition scenario that, has helped me. So I think it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. What, what other types of creatives have come through uh, Second City or your improv class that you think improv would be valuable to? Uh, oh, well, in, when, I, when I'm teaching improv classes, uh, I'd say the majority of the people that come through there um, are not intended on being actors. A lot of them are, are directors. A lot of them are uh, people in the corporate world, uh, you know, you have to give presentations when you're, uh, a lot of the time in, in a business world and, and being able to improvise and, uh, think on the fly and think quickly is, is very important for all creatives, for anybody, even non-creatives who, you know, being creative is part of, of a part of everything. It's a part of everything. So, even the business world. So, um, uh, even though, you know, some, uh, governments and politicians want to, you know, <laughs> uh, downplay the importance of creative, uh, creativity. Um, it's a part of everything. Mm-hmm. So it is so important to have, uh, the skill to be able to, um, 
adapt and change and think outside of the box. And that's all what impro- uh, improvising does. It, it helps directors to, to uh, think on the fly as to ways to change a scene to make it more dynamic or, or less dynamic or whatever changes they need. It helps business people be able to talk in meetings and, and uh, be able to field questions with a, a bit of a flair. So uh, it, it works in all creative avenues, I think. That's great. Yeah. I feel like some people just, I, and I asked you that question because I, I've definitely talked to people who are like, I don't need to do improv. Like I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine just hosting or not taking any classes. And I always feel like even if you have the hosting abilities or emceeing or comedic abilities, you should always just be looking for new ways to strengthen those skills. Exactly. I mean, like even, even, uh, straight actors who, who don't, um, who don't feel like they need improv skills. I'll, I'll just take improv out of this completely. Even straight actors who work with scripts constantly should go back to classes, uh, acting classes and refine their skills. You're always in the process of learning or freshening or, or adding a different element to your performance as, as a creative, uh, schooling never stops or should never stop. It, it should always keep your training should always keep going. Um, and so even if you're, uh, a natural, uh, MC or, or whatever your field is, a standup comic, uh, freshening up on your improv skills is always good because you might learn something that you didn't know before that might add to your, um, you know, overall, presence on stage Mm -hmm. you never know sure yeah no definitely or it's just even the networking opportunities absolutely yeah there's so many people that uh, i know that have come through the the second city that are doing you know great things uh that i have connections to and and can call on the drop of that if i have a project that i'm doing well this person is great that person i know because i saw him in class i saw this person on stage da 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 so it's 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 all, uh, it, it's all, you know, important, I think. So I want to go quickly back to Second City. So you, back in, back when you, um, applied, like Second City is a very competitive program, um, mm-hmm. in the, in the United States. And, and I'm not sure how much out of Toronto, but it's a stepping stone for people who want to go to SNL. I guess yes. what advice do you have for people who are interested in going to work for SNL or even Second City? Like how do you navigate the process? Um, well, I always say, and this is not a popular opinion, because when you audition, it, it people feel the need to be uh, to to stand out when you audition, and obviously you you want to do that, and you will pick and choose and find your moments to stand out and be really comedic. But I find that when uh, I was auditioning, or when I hear about bad auditions, it's usually people who go in there and they're the class clown or they have this natural funny thing and they want to steamroll every scene. They come out in every scene and they got huge characters and they're just kind of taking control of the entire stage. And, you know, there's always aspects of that. But good improvisers, uh, especially the ones in the panel, can see the improvisers that are working with other people's ideas, that can fall back when other people need to take the spotlight and work with them and help them build their, their idea and then come back to your idea and work with that. So they want to see give and take. 
Hey, it's me, Shireen. Sorry to interrupt. Creative Breakthrough listeners, are you enjoying this episode? If so, I have a quick favor. Could you leave us a review, whether on Apple, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening from? It's a great way to pay it forward and let other creatives know about the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, I'll get back to the original interview now. Thanks. Bye. You got cut off. You were saying like during the audition, people will go in there and with these big personalities and then the judges, not the judges, the people on the panel can see that they're trying too hard or something. Yeah, they it's not necessarily that they're trying too hard. They're, you know, they're performing uh, wonderfully. It's just that they're steamrolling everything else. They they treat the audition like it's only about them, which is, you know, true to some sense, you want to showcase yourself. But in showcasing yourself, part of showcasing yourself as an improviser is is uh, contributing to other people's ideas, showing that you can support other people's ideas and take their ideas and support them and lift them up too. So there has to be a give and take in auditions. It can't just be you throwing, throwing out things. And I know uh, from my own uh, experience auditioning at Second City that uh, there was a lot of times where I felt like uh, in my audition that uh, I I wasn't uh, I was kind of in the background of a scene um, and I wasn't driving the scene enough and the, the auditioner was like I really looked at you in that scene and thought wow this guy is really uh, he- listening to what the other people are saying and and providing a good support for them, uh, as well as, you know, taking my moments to, to, you know, come out with my big characters and stuff like that. So, uh, that, that is often forgotten when you're auditioning. Um, I also auditioned for SNL, uh, a little while ago and a little while ago, it was over 10 years ago, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I know that they, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the same year that they were because I did a, a Barack Obama impression in my in the show uh, that was on the main stage at the time. And they were looking for somebody to play Barack Obama. Uh, this is before Jay Farrell was hired. Um, and uh, so they asked me to come out and audition for it. Uh, I couldn't make it because my show was opening the same night as the auditions. So I couldn't make it down to audition, which I think was to my detriment. But um, uh, would you ever yeah, audition so, again? No, I didn't. I didn't. the The owner of Second City said, "Oh, you know, I know Lauren Michaels very well, so we'll we'll get you down to to audition again." But I guess you know they had moved on to other things. I mean, Jay Farrell got hired, mm-hmm. so I don't think they they needed somebody to provide that specific thing that they were looking for anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. So now you do so you you do improv, you act, you also write. Do you think it's important for creatives to be multifaceted or in skilled in many areas, or is it is it okay if they're just like I just want to be an actor, or I just want to do improv? I mean, and there's no wrong answer. Anything's okay. Uh, yeah, if you just want to be an actor and that's all you care about pursuing, then just pursue that. But uh, I find personally, I've found. Being a creative, especially a creative of color, it helps to have uh, because although there are opportunities and all, all that, but uh, there the opportunities are limited and the pools are smaller for us. So I find having my feet in several different <laughs> pools 
uh, helps uh, helps me work a little bit more steadily. Um, and I, it also helps that I enjoy improv. I enjoy acting. I love acting and I, I enjoy writing. I mean, I would consider myself to be a actor primarily, a comedic actor secondarily, and a writer um Tertiary? Is that the, is that a word? <laughs> yeah, I think it's tertiary. Yep. Tertiary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I, uh, uh, I I feel like it helps, especially being a creative of color, to have your feet in many different uh, uh, avenues. But you know, there's no wrong answer in terms of that. If you don't care about writing, I you know, I don't, I wouldn't say force yourself to write. Uh, if it's not something you're passionate about, because quite honestly, your work probably won't be good if if you don't care about it. So yeah, no, that's true. That is true. So, what advice do you have for creatives on their journey? Uh, I, you know, your journey is going to look different no matter who you are. It, it's so tempting to look at a person in your peer group and say, well, that's the career that I wanted. Why don't I have that? Your journey is always going to look different from the person standing next to you. Uh, you just got to be, uh, brave enough to continue going regardless of how your journey ends up looking. If you are confident in your skills, if you know that you're you have something to offer then offer it, you know, don't, don't be discouraged because you're not getting hired this week because quite frankly, any creative journey is going to have its ups and its long periods of downs because, you know, there's so many people trying to go after something that is, uh, relatively rare. So, um, you know, if you feel like you have something to offer, then continue to do it regardless of uh, any kind of outside discouragement. And also, and this is important too, if it stops being something that you you um, love, if it's causing you more heartache than it is uh, joy, then don't be afraid on the same note, on the same token, to look elsewhere. You know, that's something that is, is, is rarely said, but you know, your heart and your well-being are, are so important. So if you feel like this is eating away at you more than it is building you, then there is no shame in looking elsewhere either. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's always way to, to ways to look elsewhere and still be creative, you know, and still be a creative. You know, there's people I know who started on their journey of acting and performing and, um, you know, fell off, fell off the path of doing it professionally and went somewhere else, but they still do it as a hobby. You know, they, they, they're still out at open mics or they're still out doing it because, you know, part of them always wants to flex that muscle, which is, you know, also a, a fine and and wonderful path to take, you know? For sure, yes. You hit on so many good points that I think it's so important. Um, yeah, your journey is not gonna be the same as someone else's, and I totally agree with the pivoting. Like, if you are not finding the success or the love or the passion 
then pivot. And and it's funny because I uh, I did the same thing. I used to do radio, and I pivoted to podcasting because the radio yeah. just wasn't giving me the. It wasn't fulfilling the passion that I wanted it to fulfill for me. It, yeah, it got stale. Like after you do something every day, it you just at a certain point, it's just I want to do something different. Exactly. And, and it's totally fine to do that to make that pivot. Exactly. I mean, you know. It, as long as, as you're creating what's in your heart and it's, it's feeding your soul, I, I don't, I don't mean to sound hokey or flaky or anything like that, but it's gotta, it's gotta feed you creatively or else nothing good is going to come out of you. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if it's not feeding you, then, you know, there's no shame in moving somewhere else. Exactly. But at the same, t at the same time, you know, um, if you feel like you have something to offer, then then plug away and just keep going, keep going. If you feel like you're you're not, you know, dry dried up with your ideas, you have something new that you need to put forward and create, then keep creating. Uh, and remember that your path is not going to look look the same. You know, people people gain and 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 fail at different rates. You know, so. Uh, you know, you might be, I don't know, 42 and not have the career that you thought you were going to have when you were 42. Uh, but if you still have the drive and the passion, then keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Love that. Love, love, love that. So let's jump right into the lightning round. Lightning round, I am going to ask you five questions, rapid fire, and you just answer the first thing that you can think of. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Question one. What is the best advice you've received? To go forward no matter what. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. That's like the number one rule in acting. Yeah, exactly. What is your exactly. definition of success? Uh, love, family, and joy. Who inspires you and why? Um, my wife inspires me. My kids inspire me. Uh, they inspire me because... Uh, they are the strongest people I know. They, they persevere through, through hardship and they, uh, you know, they, the, the love that they give and they share and they give to other people is overwhelming to me. What is a habit that's helped you on your journey? Habit? Um, uh, stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I just don't stop. I don't stop. What do you want your legacy to be? Kindness and joy and laughter. That was, that's, that's a good one. Laughter. I like that one. Where can our listeners find you online, Daryl? Uh, hindsight on, on H-I-N-D-S-S-I-G-H-T uh, on Instagram and at Hindsight, spelt the same, on Twitter. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Daryl. This was super informative. I think, uh, I mean, I know I learned a lot about how improv can help me, so I'm sure our listeners did as well. So thank you. Oh, thanks a lot, Shereen. I love how open and genuine Daryl was. I hope you all love the conversation as much as I did. My top 10 takeaways are one, being a multifaceted creative opens more doors. Two, your journey will be different from the person next to you. Three, be brave. Four, all creatives have a roller coaster journey. Five, it's okay to pivot. Six, be true to yourself. Seven, improv can help creatives and non creatives alike. 
Eight, it's okay to pursue a creative passion as a hobby and not professionally. Nine, create what's in your heart. And 10, taking chances is necessary to find success. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your support. I hope to see you again in two weeks. Until then, flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm funnybrowngirl. I'm Shereen Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning.